when I was in my early 20s, I bought my first car that had a steering column lock. You know, the thing that keeps your steering column from turning if there's no key in the ignition. It's an anti-theft device to make sure that no one can turn the wheel without a functioning key in the ignition. My car was a yellow Toyota something, maybe a Corolla, one of those small wagons that were very popular at one point. I was entering San Francisco on a curvy freeway doing about 75 miles per hour. As I was about to turn left to take a curve, my steering column locked up. There was indeed a key in the ignition, but I couldn't turn the wheel. I tried slamming the wheel to the left. It didn't budge. I hit my brakes. There were no anti-lock brakes back then, so I laid down some rubber. I kept my cool, put the clutch in, and turned the ignition, trying to get the steering column lock to let go. But the steering wheel did not budge. The steering column lock was engaged and would not disengage. Still going over 50 miles an hour, I veered straight off the freeway. As I left the freeway, I looked down. Underneath me was a steep embankment leading down to a street below the freeway. I'll get back to this. Let's look at the 43rd chapter of Isaiah. Remember that in Isaiah, God punishes the people of God by sending the Assyrian Empire to invade and conquer Israel. Then the massive Assyrian army sweeps in from the north. It destroys Jerusalem. The Israelites are sent into captivity. This is all part of a massive military campaign whereby the Assyrian army incrementally builds up a truly vast empire, consisting not only of their original lands, but Babylonia, Syria, Phoenicia, Egypt, Israel, and several other previously independent empires. Israel is conquered and surrounded by its enemy, and many of its citizens have been sent into exile. But in Psalm 43, after preaching about God's vengeance, Isaiah shifts his tone and begins to tell the people of God that God will lead them back to their promised land. Ultimately, Assyria will be conquered by another colonial empire, just as the Assyrians conquered so many other nations. But the important lesson isn't what happens to the Assyrians historically. What matters is the faith story and the lesson it tells. God will never abandon the Israelites, even when they have gravely sinned. In other words, we as believers are never totally lost. As long as we're breathing air, God will be willing to forgive, to rescue, to regenerate, to save us. In Isaiah, the people of God have come back to God. They're no longer living corrupt lives. At the time, the most common form of moral corruption among the Israelites was worshiping multiple false gods instead of the one true God. They therefore will not perish physically or spiritually. The prophet Isaiah speaks for God and declares, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. 
I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Let's look at Psalm 91. It's a song and a prayer of joy delivered by someone who has a deep, enduring relationship with God and knows that God will always be there for them. The psalmist declares that God will provide protection from disease, enemies, demons, plagues, anything that threatens those who truly believe and have a deep faith in God. Here's a very condensed form of the psalm. My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the deadly pestilence. Under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands, they will bear you up. By the way, if you're wondering about that line, his faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. A buckler is a small round shield used commonly in sword fights. This is an amazing psalm. God will protect you because you've decided to live in the kingdom of God. If that's where you live, if that's where you spend your life, God's angels will always swoop down and lift you up when you're in trouble. Notice that while the Israelites believed in a strict monotheism, that there is only one God, there are helpers who assist God, like angels. Now, the Israelites were concerned with physical, earthly, and not eternal protection. They were an endangered people constantly being threatened by aggressive empires. Remember that they were living under the Old Covenant, and the Jews only incrementally, over many, many hundreds of years, developed a true notion of an afterlife. Their concern was that they receive God's protection here and now. The Old Covenant promised them one, land, two, children, and three, God's blessing. As they didn't fully believe in heaven, this was their form of eternal life, having descendants who will live under God's protection in a land given to them by God. The promise is good for as long as there is an earth. Only when all human life ends, only when the world ends, will the Israelites disappear as an earthly people. But we now live under the new covenant. We want to be protected spiritually. We want our eternal lives protected. But God made us so that we also turn to God when we're in danger here on earth. We look to God when we're sick, when we're in danger, when we face financial disaster, when we lose a job, when a spouse leaves us, 
when a loved one is sick or injured. Earthly pain often leads to something good by bringing us closer to God, by keeping God in our minds and in our lives, by reminding us of our dependence on God. God wants us to turn to God whenever there's a threat, either here and now, or a threat to our earthly lives. This makes us stop living in a corrupt fashion and puts us back firmly in the kingdom of God. Now, does God always send angels swooping down to rescue us? Not necessarily to protect our physical lives or the physical lives of our loved ones, or to protect us from earthly ruin, at least not always. But God will see that the best thing happens. Even if the outcome doesn't seem like the right thing to us now, if we trust God, if we turn to God in times of fear and anxiety and panic, God will be there for us. Extremely importantly, God will get us through whatever happens. God will walk us through our suffering, and eventually we will learn that God did do what was best. And often it is indeed the best thing, even in this physical world, even if it certainly didn't seem that way at the time. When the suffering is over, perhaps sadly, we or a loved one has passed and are with God for eternity. Now you might ask, should we just stop worrying about suffering here and now, either in our lives or in the lives of our loved ones, and only focus on eternity? Is that the lesson? No, it's not the lesson. The fact that we turn to God when we or other people are in danger is simply one aspect of living like Jesus. We love the people around us, and we want the best for them. So there I was, flying off a freeway at 50 miles an hour. I did indeed turn to God. There wasn't much time. I asked God to please have this end with me alive and uninjured. I let go of my useless steering wheel and I spoke to God. Let me walk away from this, please. I don't care about the car. I just want to keep on living and not be hurt. God, I do trust you. My car did not go airborne. It just barely stayed on the ground as I raced down a steep embankment. I slammed through thick bushes. It was only a handful of seconds, but it seemed to go on forever. My brakes did nothing as I bounced through the loose, uneven dirt. But eventually I came to rest. I was inches from a street sign for the street that was below the freeway. I got out of my car and I walked around it. It was completely undamaged. I did have to be towed out of there, but a day later, I was driving my car again. And yes, I disabled the steering wheel lock permanently. It's obvious that from my perspective, God did indeed do the best thing possible for me but there's more to it. I was young. I was a technical guy, very much caught up in a material world, living as a computer scientist. I was not someone who lived each day deliberately following in the footsteps of Jesus, walking through the kingdom of God, 
dedicating my life to living the way God wants me to live. That accident was a reminder of just how much I needed God, of how fragile my life was, of how dependent I was on whatever God planned for me. The Assyrian people still live today, largely in northern Iraq, but also in surrounding nations. However, their empire is long gone. Interestingly, Israel is still there. Ancient Jerusalem survives to this day. Our goal should be survival, not just in a literal, earthly sense, but in a spiritual one as well. No empire on earth will last forever. Only one empire will last forever. It's God's empire, of course, and we want to make sure that when the end of earthly life comes for us, that's where we are. When the tow truck showed up to drag my car away, the driver, who was a young guy like me, was amazed. He stood there with wide eyes as I told him what had happened. Then he said that I was very, very lucky. I didn't think of it at the time, but I should have told him that I wasn't lucky at all. I was blessed. God had decided that this incident would end without me being hurt, without anyone else being hurt, and without my car being damaged. But the big lesson is that we don't know what will happen next month, tomorrow, or even tonight. We are totally dependent on God. We pray every day. We should have God in our minds many times a day. We shouldn't wait to turn to God only when the steering column on our car locks up. Just remember what our psalm tells us about how to ensure that no evil will ever befall us. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil will be allowed to befall you.